good afternoon. Welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fontleroy. So good to see all of you here today on this beautiful Tuesday. Today is June 13, 2023. As always, I am your host, James Fontleroy. And wonderful. Come on in. Come on in. Sit on down. Have a seat. If you guys have your snacks, go ahead and grab your snacks. You know, bring bring your bring your phone with you, or or listen in the background as you grab your snacks and grab yourself something to drink. We're gonna have a great conversation today. Just to let you guys know the JB Font channel is available on all major podcast platforms. So go ahead and subscribe to me there. Also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, so you can find me on there on a weekly basis for there. Also, if you guys would like to, you guys can also go to my substack to get email notifications you guys can go to jbfont.substack.com for my clips as well as my live streams as well so that you guys are aware and alerted to whenever these happen because the youtube algorithm really doesn't put it out there like i think they should also just to let you guys know thank you so much to the patrons on patreon coffee as well as members for without you guys i would not be able to do what i'm doing so thank you so very much to all of you, uh, because I really wouldn't be able to do this. As per usual, whenever I do have a guest, I get to the comments in the chat a little bit later, but I would like to let you guys know that I do have Kamal Franklin joining, and this is going to be a wonderful discussion. I am so happy to have him here with me. Uh, and just to let you guys know, Kamal Franklin is the organizer and community builder and a co-founder with Black Power Media. Mr. Kamal Franklin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And that was a great picture you threw up. I might have to ask for that background later because I think when I took that picture, I was standing <laughs> hey, in my bathroom I'll, halfway. <laughs> I'll DM it to you because look, I'm like, yeah, no, no, because look, I was like, I was like, what am I gonna do? I was just like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna princeify him, right? We're gonna you know what I'm saying we you know well, that's what we're gonna do. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you can use that as a banner for your background or whatever. You know, go ahead and do that. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to get to, and you are uh, with Black Power Media, you know, and you guys are talking about a lot of black issues that are you know that are imperative for us to keep, you know, within the front of our brains, uh, you know, especially not just within our community, but also letting, you know, the broader community out there know, you know, what our concerns are. And you guys do it from a left perspective. Um, what drove you uh, to be in this space and how did you get into the community organizing as well? You can give us uh, that view from 30,000 feet. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, start, the easier story is the, the Black Power Media story. Uh, I and uh, um, co-host at the time of Kalanji Jamachanga and our producer, the Ear Doctor, were doing a podcast called Renegade Culture. Um, we had known and I had known Jad for like 25 or 30 years, and he was like, that's what I like. And then we frequently did were guests on each other's shows. And I think Kalanji came up with the idea of, look, we needed to build out a larger platform for black radicals uh, to talk about the issues that we were concerned about, to talk about revolutionary nationalist politics, radical politics, to critique uh, U.S. foreign policy, U.S. imperialism, uh, obviously the U.S. domestic policy, talk things around culture uh, and all that good stuff. And so we formed, I think we're going on two years, 
uh, Black Power Media. And, you know, I guess I think similar to the stuff that you guys do um, is, you know, it's a series of different video podcasts, different hosts, different times. Uh, but discussion is already are always geared towards uh, what is it that we can be talking about that gets us more organized and more politicized? But I agree with you, the, the, the YouTube algorithms are not in our favor. So we depend a lot on word of mouth and so forth. My yeah. organizing background, um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my mom is from Charleston, South Carolina. Well, what's from Charleston, South Carolina? She passed away last year. Um, and she grew up doing Jim Crow. And she would tell us a lot of stories about growing up under Jim Crow, including when she got hit in the back by a white cop when she was running out of a whites only uh, playground with her friends and she was a little slow. And so she had a scar on her back until the day she died. Um, and so when you hear that story, you know, as a kid, it sort of obviously it resonates, it sticks with you, it makes you investigate more. It got me looking into like the civil rights movement and started reading. I think there were other things around even my mother's racial politics that had me sort of questioning how the world works. Uh, I'm a fair skinned, uh, uh, light skinned dude. My mom's a dark skinned uh, black woman. My sister's uh, probably your complexion. Uh, and my mom say that she purposely had kids uh, to make them lighter, even though she might've been, been uh, uh, happy with the company she kept. But she had kids making them lighter because she thought that would make it easier for them in the world. And again, this is mind blowing, right? To hear, to think about that, to, to think about how this country and the world operates, where people actually think through that or they're conditioned to believe that these things are important in the way that they are presented to them. Um, all of that got me to thinking and reading. And uh, in my teens, my late, late teens, uh, when I started reading Malcolm X, um, it was like this, you know, a long time ago, this was in the eighties, um, a little bit before the movie and stuff came out again, it just radicalized me, uh, to the point where I wanted to start joining organizations and being involved in my community. Um, I'll wrap up this way. Lastly, uh, you know, obviously pre-internet, but I was so far gone that I started looking in the phone book for Malcolm's organization, the, uh, uh organization of Afro-American unity which, and again, this was like 25 years or 20 some odd years after his, his, his assassination. So of course it wasn't in the phone book, but that's how naive I was. I was like, let me look through and see if I can find something. Uh, but in college, I started finding different organizations to join. Uh, my first real black radical organization was called the uh, organization, the African Christian organization. Um, I wasn't a Christian, I was, a, I was an atheist. I was that before I was even politicized. But that got me on my realm. Like those folks introduced me to other folks who just introduced me to other folks. And I joined a whole bunch of different black radical organizations in my youth. The one I stuck with was called the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. I was with them for 17, 18 years. I left that group around 10 years ago and started Community Movement Builders, which is in a lot of ways patterned after some of the ideas of the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. Those politics still matter to me, but have been organizing um, for over 30 years uh, based on the things that I believe in, that I studied that made sense to me around radical black politics and still do it today, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're reminding me of what Kwame Ture said about all the great leaders that we have attributed to radical politics. They all belong to different organizations. Like for instance, uh, we talk a, a lot about um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name for right now. This is embarrassing. Um, but he's from South Africa. Um, 
but uh, Biko. I'm sorry, Steve Biko. No, no, no. Um, he was part I, of the, the African National Congress. Um, not, not. Um, obviously, not Mandela. Yeah, Mandela. That's oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he was talking about how Mandela was part of uh, the National African National Congress. Uh, you had Martin Luther King that was part of the Southern Leadership Congress. You had many different things, many different people who were part of different organizations. But the, necess the necessity for being part of organizations is what helps us to build a dual power outside of this capitalist system. Because as long as we continuously depend on this system, we'll have to depend on the system, so to speak. So that's one thing that he, you know he made it abundantly clear that we have to belong to some type of organization or create an organization so that we can build community so that we can move away from the systems you know and mm -hmm. that's what it reminded me when you were speaking of this which is imperative for people like myself to join organizations people who are watching to join different organizations that are about building community because we can talk about the problems all day long but it's just like, and I was talking to a friend earlier about this. It's just like when you go to a doctor and the doctor says, okay, we're going to have to put you on a weight loss program. Uh, you can't eat this, 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 or that. And that's when you go, okay, what can I eat? But the thing is, if the doctor's not telling you what you can mm -hmm, have, mm -hmm. then it leads you to search blindly for what you can, and you might miss the mark. Mm -hmm. So what the best thing for us to do is to also offer the solutions be like okay we can't do this but here's the alternative right? yeah i completely agree yeah i mean I, I and i you know i'm not um a, you know a podcaster or commentator by training i never call myself a journalist or whatever I, sometimes it's like no i'm not i'm not a journalist i make commentary i do some left-wing punditry i do a little writing but at its heart i believe the things and I think those things are important, right? I think those things are the things that people may catch or read or see that they spark something. Um, as like when I was younger and reading something sparked something for me. But the actual things that help us create changes in our conditions and fight, for me, have always led back to joining and or starting organizations uh, with all the issues that that incurs, right? Organizations, you know, not only ideological issues you got to deal with, but personality differences, why people join, you know, what people are trying to get out of it, personal relationships that develop, sexual relationships that people develop. Um, what happens these days with 501c3s and what that means when people actually give you money who are connected to capitalist systems and how that distorts um, certain frameworks of organizing. All, even with all of that considered, with all of that we have to go through uh, and the do's and don'ts, I still believe essentially that until we build organization to do what you said, to build and fight, uh, we will always be sort of lacking and or behind the curve when it comes to really fighting for our rights or making changes in our neighborhood or politicizing people in base building. And at its heart, I think if we don't base build, no matter what else we do, then we're never going to get like, let's say the masses of folks with us or behind us, or even a critical mass of people behind us or with us to fight and to make changes. So I always feel like Excuse me. The starting point is going to be organizing. Everything yeah. else is good to do, but organizing is so much, so much the the essence of the work that we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And and in that same vein, uh, I just want to direct people's attention to the community website, communitymovementbuilders.org. Uh, this is beautifully made website, by the way, and it says our mission is rooted in black and sustainability. 
and it talks about uh, anti. Well, that, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That heart is supposed to be black love and sustainability. I know it doesn't oh, always translate. Heart. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's still black. We, we don't care. <laughs> it says our fights. It says community movement builders is a black member based collective community residents and activists serving black working class and poor black communities. CMB emerged out of the need to respond to encroaching gentrification, displacement, and over-policing. CMB organizes to bring power to black communities by challenging existing institutions and creating new ones that our people control. And then you talk about anti-gentrification and police violence and food sustainability, which really, in my opinion, are also in, in the same vein as really going a more black and anti-capitalist type of route. Um, and so I just want to put, make sure I put the link in the chat for people. It's also in the description, but this is also very important because, you know, uh, I, I just want to say thank you as well for, uh, you know, pushing community movement building as much as possible, because I think this is, this is where we, this is where it needs to lie, lay, I should say. And so, one of the things, uh, you know, in another conversation with a friend, one of the things I said was what made people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., people like Fannie Lou Hamer, people like um, Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, what made them dangerous? And their danger wasn't their, their risk to public safety. No, their danger was the fact that they actually made the public more safe because when we talk about public safety like i when i talk about public safety i talk about healthcare housing um education these are things that actually make us more safe and so when you're the type of person that organizes your community into making it more safe then the powers that be what i like to call the corporate dictators they don't like that because they want to be the vehicle which, it, you know, through public safety, but they keep it unsafe so that you continuously depend off of them. Whereas we're trying to make it so that we don't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so if you like to speak a little bit to that as well, I, I that's, you know, that's the conversation I was having earlier. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, the in, in addition or added on to that part is, Yes, the work that we do explicitly says we're going to try to fill the gaps of what the state has purposely made sure that we don't receive, i.e. resources and power. Right. Um, And they'll give a minimal. They'll give some options, uh, but it's never going to be enough to uh, have us uh, sort of be in charge or have power over our communities. Right. And these working class and poor black communities, like we don't have the power to dictate what stores come in how the buildings go up in our communities. Uh, we don't have the power to decide um, uh, uh, the, the, you know, as in gentrification, the rate of increase in terms of rentals or even mortgages. None of that is within our power or our control. Um, and so when we fight back, even with providing resources, it's always done from the level of how are we doing this to show how we lack power and then how we can gain power. So I say that to say that the thing that all that that really does scare the state is when you are anti-capitalist, um, whether that's socialist, anarchist, or 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 communist. But when you're anti-capitalist in any of those frameworks, you're suggesting to folks that there is another vision 
around how resources can be distributed and how power can be organized that's different than how capitalists make you think the world should operate. It doesn't mean that, you know, overnight there's about to be a revolution, but it does mean that you start to present these ideas, new structures, these challenges to the systems at play as you fight in an essence of like doing community organizing, which can be a, a, you know, a, a bevy of different tactics and strategies to go down that road. But you keep in mind and you keep letting people know and you keep preventing, presenting them with alternative structures around how the world and how their community and how how we can our neighborhoods can operate and i think that's the other thing that makes us uh quote unquote where we where we can be quote unquote dangerous to them it's the idea that we're not going to rely on you to make these decisions or let you make these decisions not only are we going to challenge you but we're also going to go about our own way of creating new institutions that we control ourselves and that they don't like yeah i think you know self-determination is one of the hallmarks of what the black community wants and you know we see that as well as many other different communities like for instance the indigenous community they want their own self-determination we look at different countries where they want their own self-determination uh you know you have you know countries you know like uh sudan and countries like um somalia and you know uh bolivia and um you know, Nicaragua, you know, they want their own self-determination, but yet the United States keeps taking their grubby little hands and going in and saying, no, we want you to do things our way so that we can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we see that we know this from our community. And so we respect this about other communities as well, other countries, you know, outside of us. But yeah, I, I'd say quickly on that, you know, I, at our essence is that 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 word is extremely important, the self-determination concept. So, you know, we work with everybody and anybody on different issues, coalitions, alliances and so forth. But in the end, we also believe that we as a people have the power and should have the power to determine our destinies and again, our communities and what happens in those communities. Um, and so you're completely right. And I think that's why in terms of our history here in this country, why, you know, it's not as much as it used to be because there's a lot of there's a lot of bourgeois politicians being brought off um, and there's a lot of mainstream culture and media that shifts us into the pockets um, of those who are basically oppressing us. But we yeah. still can see that our community is the community that is most likely to see through the BS of U.S. capitalism, to see through the, the BS of U.S. hegemony and to question it and to comment on it. We may not always know which way forward, but we can see pretty well when someone is lining up um, against the interests of black communities, which is why we have so many great buzzwords like sellout and the rest of it, uh, describe folks when they do that kind of stuff. So there's, there's, uh, it's an important thing for us to understand how self-determination in our community should work um, and how we should be siding and working with other folks, but never give up our our ability to decide for ourselves how we want to go and which way forward. Oh, true, true, and, and I appreciate you for that. And we were talking uh, about you know organizing and you know basically getting ourselves out in the streets, so to speak. And my next question is about you know the left, right? It is you know, no secret, I, I consider myself a socialist, so I, I am definitely on the left. And my question uh, to you is, what is some of the biggest issues you see on the left today? And is it really just relegated to just the online left or is it the left in general? Because you're out there, out there, you know what I mean? <laughs> so 
you know, what do you see? Like, is it just something that is online exclusively or is it an issue that you see overall? I mean, I think there's several things, you know, like any good lefty, when I think about what would be good if this country uh, was um, realistically speaking, working for the people, right? So what I mean by that is universal health care, um, a, a decent minimum wage, uh, access to resources and jobs and so forth and so on. So on that level, like any good lefty, sure, I like to see those things. But again, as a radical lefty, right, as somebody who's not a social democrat, who doesn't think we're just going to vote our way into all the resources that we need, um, I think part of the issue for for a left community is how do you fight the powers that be? What are you know? It could be what are these issues that lay before us? Whether or not that's police militarization and over policing, whether or not that's issues around uh, um, um, minimum wage, issues around unionizing. There are a lot of issues that we can use to politicize people. But for me, the central issue still is how do we radicalize people, right? How do we radicalize people while we're doing these different fights? How do we show folks that, again, even if you participate in reform politics as tactics and strategies, you're doing this because these are some of the avenues available available to us short thereof of a radical revolutionary change, right? Um, right. But how will we continue pushing uh, to get people politicized so that they can see that the system itself, the American economic system, political system from the federal to the state to the city levels, do not serve our interests, but serve the interests of capitalists, capital, and developers. Um, how do we get them to see that the black bourgeoisie also serves the interests of the capitalists, the developers, and so forth, right? So how do we push through those blinders that people have on, even when they want to organize, that there's something that's already set up to block us, and we're going to fight around these individual issues, but it's really how do we break through the, the, uh, the, 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 the fog of capitalist ide ideological um, uh, belief system and of capitalist propaganda to really begin to politicize people so that they begin to see that we have to join forces to, to really fight for alternatives. Um, and so for me, all these issues are of are importance, of course. Um, and I think these issues lead to things, but until we politicize people to get them to understand that the root causes will not be solved through the political system at hand because they're the very ones causing the issues in the first place, um, then we're going to always go back to thinking again that just maybe a good Democrat will help us this time or maybe if we elect enough of them that this will happen this time. Again, I see tactics and strategies within the electoral process. I'm not one that says completely beg off of that process, but I am one that says that those are limited options and they have to be done within a larger framework of organizing and politicizing, which leads you past that at some per some particular point. Well, I mean, you said, you know, it, it, we have to go by, you know, a certain tact. You have to be a, a bit of a tactician. Um, and one of the things, uh, it's no surprise to anybody, I, I grew up Jehovah's Witness. And one of the things that we did uh, I'm no longer one anymore, but one of the things that was very effective was when, whenever, you know, I'm in Florida, whenever there was a, a natural disaster, particularly a hurricane, the Kingdom Hall, which is the church that Joe's Witnesses use, if it got damaged, what we would do is we all come together as, you know, volunteer, voluntarily, and then repair it, you know, whatever it needed, most likely it'd be a roof. But then in the neighborhood, you will also see 
the neighbor's roof also tore off. And so what we do is whatever we had together, go over to the neighbor's house, ask them if we can prepare their roof for free, and then we would do it. And we would all be, and then the people who did it were state certified. So it was done correctly. And then no money. We would preach to them and then leave. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of the same vein when it comes to radical organizing is that we not only just talk about the problem, but we offer ourselves as the solution or part of the solution and go, look, your kids are starving. They can't focus. You know where I'm going with this. The kids are starving. They can't focus in school. So guess what? We're going to give them free breakfast so that they can focus better in school so that they can actually have a better future. And while we're at it, we're going to tell you that this system does nothing for us. And if we come together and we also build coalitions with other groups, then we can actually change things. Mm -hmm. So basically what the Black Panthers did. And so I think this is something where, uh, you know, utilizing not only our voice, but <laughs> I hate to put it this way, but be bout it, bout it, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you have to do it that way. And I think, I think it's the means of pushing forth action with, along with reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes any sense, I don't know if. Uh, no, it makes total sense because I, yeah. you know, we do mutual, you know, I think a lot of our groups still today based a lot of the work on mainly like, you know, uh, the Panthers, SNCC to a degree, even the UNIA to a degree, Marcus Garvey's organization, as organizations that were steep within the black community. They weren't organizations that had offices like downtown um, and then they would sort of, they, were more, they were far more comfortable going to city hall talking to the to the politicians and the lobbyists. You know, our, our viewpoint is that we look at the organizations who had, you know, storefronts in the black community, who lived with folks in the community when they did organizing, uh, folks who did things like mutual aid and build businesses within the framework of what they saw the black community wanted and or needed. And those are the chief ways in which folks have organized successfully. Mm -hmm. When you come from a folks who are not used to having a lot of stuff in a country that took everything away from you, when you see people who can base build and do things that look like it could be of advantageous to the community, folks gravitate towards that, right? And I think still to this day, when you bring up the church example, they're still the, the largest in, like structured organizations in our community for a reason, right? Not only is it sort of the, the, the spiritual religious talk that you know groups like ours don't have, but it's also the fact that they create community, they create resources, they create opportunities for both people to fellowship and to join together. And they do that in a way that other groups and organizations, which we should also point out were destroyed who were doing that, right? So when you look at the 60s and 70s, one of the things to take out of that is that uh, the federal government, along with the state and cities are working together in different task force, they basically destroyed radical movements, right? And they left us, what they left us with was voting and black capitalism, right? So that those were the avenues that were open to us uh, because the radical organizing was overtly destroyed. And so when we look about doing this again or replicating or keeping it going, we have to look at what was a successful and why the state attacked it. They, they attacked it because it was uh, uh, really digging deep within the black community, politicizing people. And like you said, providing needs for folks that they otherwise would not have had met 
which made them far more open to the ideas of a group like the Black Panthers or the ideas of a SNCC or the ideas of a UNIA because they saw that folks were challenging the hegemony of white supremacy, but they also saw that folks were providing the resources that they wanted to see provided anyway by black folks for black folks. Yeah, it, it's really a, a opportunity of showing alternatives. Uh, I think that's what the, the point is. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and because our time is limited, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was last week, <laughs> This was a popcorn moment for me. This was a popcorn moment for some people. Sabby, Sabs is in the chat. Hey, Sabs. <laughs> but Dr. Cornell West decided to throw his hat in the ring for running for president in a third party. I just wanted to get your reaction and thoughts about that. I know you guys are going to talk about it a little bit more at length tomorrow, but I just wanted to get your thoughts about his running as well as some newer developments of him possibly talking to the Green Party as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you know, in general, I'll start off this way. I like Cornel West. I like him better, particularly after he came out against Obama and started challenging uh, the policies and ideas of Obama. Um, uh, but, you know, I am not necessarily overjoyed that the idea of running for president is the action that he wants to take. And I'm sure I'll express that to him. Um, I think there's things that you do, obviously, because they're performative or because they give you an opportunity to, to get people to gravitate towards you, to hear you speak and talk about ideas. I understand that. I'm with that. But unless he is leading folks to say, these are the, th either A, I'm creating uh, an organization or institution that's going to be long lasting past this fight because obviously this is not a real win or run for presidency. I don't have a chance in hell of winning. Unless I can see what that structure looks like and what that will do and what's the purposes of it, uh, and it's outside the Democratic Party, which it is, um, then I'm far more lenient about, okay, I can see where, where this is going and how this can be of some value. But, you know, I think we've had this, you know, we've had sort of left figures or progressive figures who run for, excuse me, the office of the presidency. And, you know, whether or not it builds the infrastructure that people wanted to build is always a question. So, you know, again, there's things about the Green Party I like, but until they dig deep in terms of local elections and presenting left uh, a left force, you know, I don't know how much resources I want to pour into it, right? Uh, I'm much more comfortable, and this is my own, you know, viewpoint about these things, I want a base bill before I jump into anything that has a, a sniff of too much electoral work, right? I want a base bill with people. I want to do the stuff that we talked about earlier, the mutual aid, building cooperatives, fighting fighting against power and for power from the outside. And then maybe there's a level or, or of which um, you engage in some form of electoral politics. Once those folks are politicized, they're a part of your organizational apparatus, they can be held accountable to the work. They fit within a larger structure of work. But I'm not always comfortable when individuals, particularly well-known individuals, kind of step out on their own and, and say they're going to do ABC. Um, and I, it's obvious that this, this organization seems to be more of a vehicle that he is using to do that. Um, I'm not surely I'm committed to the vehicle itself. Or I know enough about the vehicle to suggest that somehow this is the vehicle that needs to be lifted up in terms of finding some alternatives to the um, uh, uh, 
uh, to the, the 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 two prominent parties um, in terms of offering a different politic. And so I'm just I'm just a little wary of it. And again, I'm sure I'll express that um, when we get to talk to Cornell tomorrow. Sure, sure. And just to follow up, uh, what do you think this could be as far as the impact on the Black community, even in just a uh, an idea perspective? What type of impact do you think it could be a, a positive impact? Um, as far as conversationally with the black community? And I don't, I actually, I don't think so because I think Cornel West has all the access he needs to the black community. He doesn't have to run for president for that. Cornel West is a okay. famous um, public intellectual. If Cornel West wants to set up a speaking engagement and go to churches and fill the pews with black folks to talk about radical organizing or what this country needs to do, he could, he could do that outside of... Um, the platform of saying he's doing it to run for president, uh, which is not to say that, you know, again, that, you know, this may get him more of a spotlight to do that work and so forth. But I don't know if the run in and of itself is as important um, as what is the vehicle that's being built by doing this run, right? What is the vehicle that is being built by suggesting that you're going to run on this alternative platform? What are, well, you know, who's in the vehicle? Who's running it? Who's a part of it? What are the progressive ideas or radical ideas that, that it has? What is it going to be doing after this run that makes me believe that it's important for me to support this new vehicle or even the Green Party to support these vehicles post this run for president? So I'm far more interested in those things that would come after or those things that are attached to the run uh, than I am in the run itself. I think Cornell has plenty of space again, for conversation and dialogue within the Black community. He can get on almost any show he wants to at any time prior to even saying he was running for president. Um, so that stuff for me is of little importance as much as it is. What are the infrastructure and structure which you're being built? Why are you building it? Who's building it with you? And what's the work that's going to come after this run? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the work after, I think, is really the most important focus because the presidential election season as is what it is it's a season and the thing is that the work must continue because uh i i'm of the same opinion is that i don't think he'll win but what i did say you don't think week, he'll win he's you know he's not gonna win well you be nice you be nice but the thing is is that i think you know it brings forth a more bigger national conversation. Um, one of the things I'm hoping for part of the national conversation is things like reparations as well. But at the same time, I think that conversation doesn't really mean anything unless you're building something in the background outside of electoral politics in order to do it. It, it just, it, it's like, it's like, it's like just talking about getting married. Oh, we're just talking about getting married. Oh, we're just talking about it, you know. But you're not shopping for rings. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're not cake testing. You're not getting the flowers. You're not asking the, the probing questions about it. You're just talking about it. So my thing is like, I don't just want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the thing is, is that we can talk about getting married day in, day in day out, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But once mm -hmm. you start shopping for rings. That's when you know that things are starting to happen. And mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the things that I, I would say to Dr. West, if I could, 
is that yes, you're running and you're on these platforms and you're bringing this into the national conversation. That's good. What about afterwards? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are we going to do? And what are you going to, because you're building a movement, but what are you going to direct that movement towards? Because people need a direction to go. Some of us need to be told what to do. Some of us, we can figure it out on our own, but some of us need a little bit more direction. And so if you're going to do this, that means you're going, you're, you're a kind of de facto putting yourself as a leader of a movement. Mm-hmm. And so what are you leading people towards? Because the thing is, is that you and I both, well, as if I'm talking to him, you and I both know that the private corporation, private organizations of the RNC and the DNC are not going to allow you one step near Pennsylvania, you know, Pennsylvania Avenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like one of the things, you know, and some of this could be my very own ignorance around Cornell's organization slash base building efforts in the past. But one of my critiques of the, you know, the public intellectual sphere, like the, the academic sphere is even amongst those who I agree with, um, unless you're out there building within an organizational apparatus, you know, again, it's not so much, I don't think that talking heads are not important, but unless you're leading folks, like you said, to some structure, some infrastructure, something that they can join, something that they can organize through, basically, you know, you're selling soap, right? You're pushing a book, um, you're pushing a seminar, you are um, uh, making yourself so that you can uh, speak on college campuses or whatever it is. But unless you're pushing them towards an organizational apparatus that they can join, that they can be a part of, that they can vote in, that they can get some work in, those are the things that we would need from a figure, let's say, of the quote unquote stature of a Cornell, who again can get on national TV by snapping his fingers, right? So for me, it's always that these folks who have access to public airways, um, unfortunately, in our recent history, do far more of the push themselves and their sensibilities, even if they're doing it through a language of a radical or progressive lens, then they are actually building power for people who need to build power. Like you said, like people who are looking to be asked, like, you know, where do I go? What can I put my trust in? Um, Cornell West can do a lot to try to make sure um, that, that that kind of work was being done. Mm-hmm. This is a super chat from Savvy. Uh, thank you so much for the ten dollars, Doctor West. With work with the Black Panthers, he's done a lot in the community. Did he, Savvy? You would have to have me on your show so that we can debate how much work Cornell West did with the Black Panther Party members. Of the Black Panther Party members that I've either worked with or talked to, never have they ever mentioned Cornell West as an ally of their struggle and/or movement. Which is not to say that he did not do something with them, but it has never been lifted up of like, this is what Cornell did with us for us at the time. So let's do, let's, let's have that conversation. I like that. <laughs> you guys could DM each other. I'm not getting in between. <laughs> I haven't been on, this is my way of trying to get on Savvy's show. I haven't been on the show before. So, I'll, you know. Well, Savvy's, well, Sab, <laughs> you. <laughs> But, you know, I, I you know, in, in the same vein, and I want to get into this because we only have a few minutes left. But one of the questions I have is, you know, if you were somehow uh, to ascend to the White House, <laughs> which I know that wouldn't happen. But if you in, in, a, in another universe, 
what would be the first three things that you would enact as you know commander in chief within your first hundred days if just hypothetically speaking um well with hypothetically speaking i would dismantle the military industrial complex and use those resources towards um making sure that everybody had housing um making sure that people had health care like there was a, a health care system uh that was a public health health care system um i would also begin to play with the idea of changing how the means of production are orientated in this country um i would also lastly you know and this is this would be my reformist avenue of raise the taxes on the rich to play for other things that I think we need. Um, but, you know, I would I would have to play around with those ideas if I was to ascend. I think it might be a pretty, pretty quick lead to an assassination attempt, but those would be my the things that I would do. I think you'd have to dismantle the, uh, the, the empire, right? Because you have to give other countries also space to do things that they need to do and they want to do, which could get covered to somebody who could fill that that position so those are you know in general off the top of my head those are some of the things i think i would work on uh cool well thank you very much for that that was a very nuanced answer and i appreciate that uh my final question actually is one that is more introspective so of course uh you know of course you live a long life and you're at the end of your life what is one thought you want people to remember about you um, I would say that I tried, right? That I I dedicated myself to organizing. I'm sure I didn't do everything correctly. I'm sure I got into a lot of unnecessary squabbles and fights. But I would like for people not to. I like the people to say that that person believed in what they were doing, did so in a way that had, was filled with integrity, left something behind that others could uh, take over, maybe even take over while he's here but a structure that's still standing and working in our community way after that person was gone. So, you know, for me, it's, it's about like the good try. Um, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I don't have all the skills in the world, but I know that, you know, whatever benefits or skills that I do have, I've put them a lot towards organizing in my community and fighting for power within my community. And so I think people understand if people could understand at that 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 day of of reckoning um, that I tried very hard to do it in a way that was was integrity filled. So I, I would say that that was a beautiful thought. Um, I, I appreciate that, and you know I think I think that is what is important: the effort, right? The effort put forth is what is means the most to anybody and i think as long as people just put forth that effort a lot can be accomplished you know and you know i appreciate that from you definitely i thank you um so one of the things that i wanted to show is that look if you guys have not yet you guys need to tune in to black power media he's going to be having on dr cornell west and there's going to be some wonderful questions uh to you know take take a note of and so if you guys have not you guys can go to blackpowermedia.org or you guys can also look up youtube on black power media what other app uh, platforms are you guys on as well we're on uh, youtube obviously the website you have up occasionally we're on rumble um but our main platform still at this point is youtube and so folks should look for us on there okay great and uh, thank you so very much the links are also in the description as well look 
Mr. Kamal Franklin, it was a pleasure. It was an honor to have you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I appreciate you having time for me, man. And yeah. thank you for being patient with me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and look, I was excited for this. So I, I'm still I'm, I'm, I'm still hot. I'm still shaking because <laughs> it was a good it was a great conversation. <laughs> and please come back soon. Please do not be a stranger. We'll be in the cool. DMs. And I would love to have all the members of Black Power Media on as well. Definitely. I'll let them know. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. All right. Peace. Cool. All right, everybody. So that was a wonderful conversation. I've been wanting to talk with uh, Mr. Kamal Franklin for quite a while. Um, and uh, it went better, even better than even I expected. This was just a, you know, deeply nuanced conversation, which I deeply appreciate. And I thank you all for being in here, um, you know, because I think that there needs to be a lot of dialogue on the left, a lot of cross-pollination in order for us to get more ideas out there. And of course, because of his experience as being an organizer, I can glean that as well so that I can do more of that. And if Dr. Kamal Franklin is still watching, then I hope to get some organizing ideas from you in the background too, because I, I want to do more of that. And so I just want to thank him. Did you guys like the stream, by the way? I hope you did. Um, if you guys have not, then please make sure to subscribe. I'm on my way to uh, 3,000 subs. My channel is very small, but I'm trying to do the most I can with the big mouth that I have. So, um, so yeah. Uh, let me go to the chat really quick. I'm going to start off. Oh, by the way, I'm live on Rumble right now. So if you're watching me on Rumble right now, hello. <laughs> nice to see you. This is actually my first stream on rumble so i am very excited about this so i can't wait to push further you know in this way so this is we're, we're expanding you know and the expansion is more to get the word out there as well as me moving more into our organizational space even though you know i have my limitations as somebody disabled i want to do more and be the example about it so uh, also, uh, I'm going to put it back in the chat as well. Um, the organization, um, communitymovementbuilders.org, because it's important for us to uh, know which organizations that we can, you know, mutual aid organizations that we can join in order to, you know, push out you know, more dual power as well as organizing on the ground. I think that's very important. So let's go to The Rock and let's talk about what we just talked about. All right, so let me go here and let's share the screen. All right. So thank you for to Denver out of way. Denver says nothing beats feet on the ground. Also, it's used to it's useful to think in the scope of strategy and tactics. Effective feet on the ground press release theoretically creates pressure strategy where the protested has to manage in PR or public response tactics. And then Indy left. Hey, Indy is also in the chat saying stop cop city absolutely thank you so very much for that all right 
and as well as going to go into the YouTube chat. So first off, thank you so much to all one same or yeah, all one same for becoming a JB member. Thank you so much. Clap it up for all one same. Yes, I do have membership. So thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Also, Savvy Sabs in the chat, also talking. And then Eric T. Red coming in saying, our government is owned by big money interests. Need to focus on fixing that. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that it's the corruption, right? It's the corruption, and that's what we need to focus in on. So thank you so very much. So who else is in the chat that I need to say hello to? All right. Jess says, yes, having him work alongside Shama to build a movement and push from the outside would be much more effective. Thank you so very much. All right. We have Gamer for Life saying Shama is based. Thank you so very much. Ryan Wagner says this, that part after about after the run is the biggest part, but it's all connected. Yeah, that, that, you know, that's one of the things that I think that we should have a, a hyper focus on. A lot of people focus on the marriage. I'm sorry, on the ceremony, marriage ceremony. But after the honeymoon is over, that's when everything begins. And so I think even if hypothetically he were to win, it's like, okay, what about after? What about after inauguration? Because that's when the real battle starts. You know what I mean? So I think that's also a really good um, a really good point. Good to see a purple philosophy as well. We have the quantum alchemist joining in. So good to see a quantum alchemist. The jam mom coming in. All right. Good to see you in here as well. All right. Uh, we have Casey McLover. McIver. Wait, did I say it? Is it McIver? Anywho, good to see you anyway. We have Yipper99 coming in, laughing, laughing all the live long day. Good to see you, Yipper99, as well. We have Colin coming in, saying the only talking heads we should listen to is the, <laughs> the band. Oh, my goodness. Yep. We Need Critical Thinking is in the chat, you know, agreeing with Savvy Sabs. Good to see you already. Justice. This is an interesting point. Justice says, respectfully, a lot of our radicals got co-opted. Angela Davis, Nikki Giovanni, and many more. They tend to go into a more liberal direction. Some of them, uh, unfortunately, it's like either <laughs> you remember the Dark Knight, what Harvey said. He said, "You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain." I wonder if that's the case with some radicals because a lot of the people that are, that have passed away early were the radicals that the system said, eh, eh, no, you cannot, you cannot survive. And so somebody made a great point on TikTok once. They said a lot of the people that were deeply radical, they were imprisoned or they were killed. And so their influence is now gone outside of the ether. The only thing that really lives on is their words that were enshrined either on paper or in film or TV. 
And so because they are no longer with us to, to keep that guy going, it's kind of tough for us because now we have to try to glean from the past and what they did, but we don't have them necessarily now. And it's kind of tough because a lot of us, you know, we need that guidance. But at the same time, it's just really tough, you know. I would like to, I, I wish I can go back in time and talk to them and see, like, how did you do this and how did you do that? Because some of the people who did survive are the, some of the people that went the, another direction. They went more of the, the more neoliberal direction. You know, and sometimes I hope that we can talk to them and bring them back, you know, be like, you used to be this way. Let's go back to that. You know what I mean? Let's go back to the classic, you know, 1960s, 1970s Angela Davis. Right. But does would she want to go back to that? You know, would would, you know, someone, you know, like a. uh would somebody like uh, Dr. Cornell West want to go back to the 19, you know, 70s, 1980s Dr. West? And was that 1970s, 1980s Dr. West more radical now than what he was back then? I can say for 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 sure that Bernie was more radical back then than he was now. You know? I just wonder. What would they say to their former selves? That's an interesting question, right? Yeah. Good to see you, Black Zen. Also, nice to have you here in the chat. Lovely, uh, lovely avatar, by the way. That's beautiful. All right. Ryan Wagner says, age can quell a revolutionary heart in some circumstances. Oh boy. Yeah, unfortunately that also you know, we have to keep that alive, you know, we we can get we can get disheartened and apathetic over time if we don't keep ourselves in a, in a I hate to put it this way. Well, not hate to put it this way, but it's kind of cliche, but almost like a positive mindset. It's kind of like, you know how a lot of capitalists will talk about, you have your vision board, right? You put the house that you want, you put the job that you want, you put the car that you want. I think we can glean from that and having a vision board of this is the type of world that we want. This is the type of, you know, happiness that we want, you know, in, in regards to people having health care, you know, this is the type of community that we wish to have, you know, it's almost kind of, you know, and I know it sounds kind of, you know, Gene Roddenberry-esque, kind of Star Trek-esque in, in, you know, what I would like to see, but if we keep that in our mind's eye, I, I honestly think that that can help us to keep from swaying and faltering and going, well, you know, apathetically, it's not going to happen, you know, I'm just going to, move into the in the neoliberal space and then just charge you know money for speaking engagements and then just make as much money as I possibly can because it's never gonna happen. I don't want to be that guy. 
Will it mean that I live a more poorer life? Well, uh, shit, so, so be it. But honestly, I think that we have to keep uh, the cliche, keep hope alive. I think we really need to do that. We honestly need to keep it alive because if not, then we're just going to push ourselves to a point where we keep this system alive because we see no other alternative. And I see an alternative and I'm not going to allow this system to continue because too many people are suffering in it. Black Zen says the older I get, the more I route for the joke, a root for the Joker in the Nolan Batman movie. Um, you say the Joker, I say Bane. And the thing is that I think <laughs> I think it was more of a system that people like Bruce Wayne were existing in, and he was trying to put band-aids on a problem of a of a gaping wound, right? Fighting people in the streets, whereas he's a billionaire and he literally could influence and change the system of Gotham on a fundamental level. Because, you know, remember in The Dark Knight Rises, what Bane was saying, you know, he said, you know, the people who were oppressed, who were thrown in jail and thrown in prison, see, they made it look like, you know, and this is our, our system and how they influence people. They made it look like those people who were committing the crimes were just all in out bad people when in reality, maybe, just maybe, the situation, the circumstance made them who they were. The impoverished circumstance, because you have two different types of Gotham City. You have the Gotham elite, who Bruce Wayne is a part of, and then you have the poor people who are the majority, who they were committing crimes in order to get themselves out of the position that they were in. And who was fighting them? It was the billionaire clad in black that was actually doing it batman was basically just a glorified billionaire cop that just wanted to bash people's heads in because they were going outside of the order of gotham city when in reality what he could have did to truly restore order was by using his billions in order to make an equalizing taking place so that people do not have, that people do not go without. But instead, he went, he went a route that was like, no, I'm, I'm just going to restore order myself. He put it upon himself to be the police officer. Instead of actually making it so that you take away the means of people having to commit crime. You take away that that uh, that point where people just were apathetic and they just said, okay, well, I guess I'll work for this mob boss in order to have a better opportunity for myself. But, yeah. And so, you know, remember what Bain said, you know, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, take these rich people and take them, you know, drag them out of their decadent homes into the cold world that we all know, you know. And so, you know, you remember in that sequence, in that monologue, 
where all the people who were poor and displaced were actually in the mansions popping bottles of champagne because they never got to live a, a, a decent life. And so I'm not necessarily um, praising uh, criminal elements that want to replace being the rich on top. I'm embracing the elements of taking the inequality out of the system so that everyone can have a high standard of living because we have a system where we have a scarcity mindset and that scarcity mindset says only the few can have this decadent type of living and everybody else has to have either substandard or low standard of living and or nothing at all. When in reality, it is actually the ability of all of us to have a high standard of living, no matter who you are. You can have a high standard of living with regards to where you live, your housing. You can have a high standard of living when it comes to your health care. You can have a high standard of living. Everybody can vacation in Cabo. Everybody can vacation and look. My idea of a beautiful future is being able to go to Gaza and go to a, a wedding in Gaza and vacation there or vacation in Yemen, right? That to me is would be a beautiful future. We can all have that. It just means that nobody is above somebody else. And that, I think, is where it lies because you have some people who think that they're better than others. And so they deem themselves as their living standards should be higher than anybody else, which I disagree with. We are all born. We all live. We all die. We all do not deserve that much more than anybody else. But that's what makes me a socialist. <laughs> oh, geez. Exactly, Sebastiano. I will own nothing and be happy. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I think it's uh, a, uh, Schwab. I forgot his first name, but yeah. The Jam Mom says, I think based on what he said at the beginning of Sabi's interview about Ford, Baraka, and Kimberly, you can say he's influenced by radical ideas, but his career overall has been more uh, integrationist. Hmm. Interesting. Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Thank you so very much. You guys corrected me. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah. And so um, I just want to thank you guys as well. Uh, oh, let me, I got some more. I got some more people in the chat. Um, let me go there really quick on Rockfin. Share the screen. All right. All right. Thank you so much to, to Deborah Attaway. Says, yeah, Cop City is essentially the government preparing and exercises in urban warfare against who they define as terrorists, Americans. 
Oh, of course. In fact, I said this before. Cop City is really just the corporate dictator's answer to actual democracy. People getting out in the street. They're scared of actual democracy. That's what it really is. Christina says, who is a terrorist? What about the guy today in Denver? I have no idea. This is brand new news to me. Was there somebody who did something in Denver? Christina, thank you so much for the tip on Rockfin. How can we trust government? They lied about, and you guys see the word, they're not here to serve the public. No. But the thing is, is that this is why it's incumbent upon us really to make sure that the government does it by creating a new system. Uh, you know, and people are like, how do we do that? Well, this is why people like Kamal Franklin was on. Uh, was to create new movements so that we can have more organizing on you know the ground so that we don't have to depend on this system that they set up for us to depend on. Um, it's like um, it's gonna sound capitalistic, but stay with me. It's like having a house. And that's the only house within 100 miles. And that house is just a shack, right? And that shack, uh, it's the only game in town. It's the only place to stay. It's the only place to live in. But say somebody else builds another house. It's not... It's not a mansion, but it's decent. Got a nice foundation, has four walls. Instead of having an outhouse, it has an indoor plumbing, it has a kitchen, and you know, it has a stove where you can cook hot meals, yada yada yada. Well, then you built that without it being an oppressive force inside and so you go into that one because it's better and the house that is a shack that was the only game in town and it had a nice paint job and it has some nice ornaments but it's still a shack and now you have something better or even then it's like having it's like having uh, a house that's nice, but you're getting beat day in, day out inside, and you're getting abused, versus a house that's not so nice, but you're free, and you're not being abused. Which one are you going to choose? Because the one that you go in where you're not being abused, you can actually own that house, and you can actually upgrade it. So which one are you going to do? I'm going to leave this abusive relationship. I'm going to go into the new home, even though it may not be as nice, even though I'm, I'm subject to staying in the room. I can't go throughout the rest of the house anyway. I'm going to go to a place where it may not be as nice, but I can go through all, all the house. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to upgrade that one and have something better for myself. That's the thing what becomes this, this, this system. Because the system is, yeah, you have freedom, meaning you have access to a door and a doorknob to open the door to go into the house, but they don't allow you to leave that bedroom. They don't allow you to leave that basement. 
I want to leave the basement and go throughout the house. So the next house that I go into that I'm leaving, I'm going to be able to go throughout the entire house. It may not be as big. It may not be as nice, but it'll be better because I'm not going to be subject to being abused. The system is capitalism. Capitalism looks beautiful, but you got to leave. You got to leave in order to be able to grow. We as a species have outlived and outgrown capitalism. It does not do a thing for us anymore. And so black people, we have been saying this for 400 years. We are, we've been on this. But a lot of people now are also finding this out. They're like, yeah, I can't I can't do this. We need a new system. And so I'm glad to see that more people are listening now. So yeah. <laughs> Eric says get the billionaires out of my effing house. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so that was great. But yeah, so uh thank you guys so much for tuning in today uh and thank you so much to everybody who was tuning in today on rumble that was great i'm so happy that i was able to learn how to you know get myself on rumble as well uh and by the way uh i will be trying to uh catch up on the readings i know i've slacked off but it's been you know a lot you know over the last few weeks but I am getting into that as well. And so tune in. Uh, tune in as I will get into the book by Dr. Devon Price. Laziness does not exist. I cannot wait to get back into it as well. So we'll be tuning in, tune in for that for later this week, as well as I'll continue the reading and finishing up on Asada Shakur's autobiography on this channel. So you guys can get that in as well. I'm trying to get my reading in probably later this evening or oh, not later this evening because I will be doing some clipping and stuff like that. But I'll try to do it Thursday. I got something to do. I got to do Thursday. But anyways, we'll get into it. Right. And uh, thank you so much to everybody who also uh, goes to my Substack for email notifications. You guys can go to jbfont.substack.com for email notifications to know whenever I do go live. Thank you so very much. And as well as in addition to, and furthermore, you guys can also go to my Patreon or my coffee, or you guys can also become members. Yes, I do have memberships. And thank you so much to the patrons on Patreon and coffee for being a support for this channel. Without you guys, I would not be able to do this. And it was, it is a blessing overall from the universe. Thank you, sir, very much. Uh, by the way, I also want to give a, sh a big shout out and thank you to Kamal Franklin for jumping in and coming on my tiny little channel and, you know, chewing the fat with me and talking about, you know, organizing and his history and, and his evolution. And I cannot wait to him to come back on. We can talk about some foreign and domestic stuff that the empire is doing because we got to talk about it. All right.
So, with that being said, I got to get going because I'm hungry. Lord and Lord. Plus, I'm going to try to join RBN Live today. There's going to be some things we're going to be talking about. Uh, but yeah, thank you so very much to everybody. Make sure to tune in to Black Power Media tomorrow. They're going to be having on Dr. Cornell West. It's going to be a very interesting discussion. And yeah, so like I always say, look, I got to come up to close to the camera because y'all know me. Y'all know me. Y'all know me. That's why y'all subscribe. Water your plants. Water yourselves. Leave the world better than you found it. Smoke them if you got them. Drink them if you got them. If you ain't got them, then yo, look, watch something funny because laughter and joy is revolutionary. And also, while I'm at it, try to focus on you know other organizations uh, so that you can uh, improve the community around you. Mutualaid.org is actually a really great resource. If you guys would like to, you guys can go to mutualaid.org and you can actually uh, you guys can actually look up different mutual aid areas across the nation so that you guys can join some type of organization that helps the people in your area. Or you guys can just do it freehand, you know, freelance and just ask people, you know, around you what they may need. And if you can facilitate it, then hey, go ahead and do that. But be loving to the community around you. By the way, mwah, forehead kisses. I love you for watching. And take care, everybody. Love you.